Hello, everyone, and welcome to Minute 68 of Season 5 of Movie Around Minute, the daily podcast where we yippee our way through the 1990 Bruce Willis action film Die Hard 2, Die Harder, one minute at a time. I'm Rob, and joining me once again today is John from the Dirty Harry Minute. Welcome back, John. Thank you, Rob. Thank you for having me. I've, I've missed you here. since yesterday. Love talking movies. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I, I I reciprocate. I miss you too. You know, but we're I, back. I I feel like I feel like I want to you know maybe uh, I don't know have some peanuts. Maybe maybe I should have had a V eight, <laughs> something like that. I'd love a Could V eight. <laughs> yeah. Well, after, like after we talked yet. yesterday, after we talked yesterday about the ingredients in V eight, I don't know how much I would really like it. I don't I don't like all those vegetables, so you know, uh, I'll I'll stay away from water. <laughs> Watercrest. I don't think it's doing much of the heavy lifting in the taste. Watercrest extra, anyway. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't know. For anyone interested in what we're talking about, you can go back and listen to yesterday's episode. <laughs> Do it now. Yeah. Well, not right. now. Do it soon. Do it when you finish listening to this. Order. Well, actually, no. You could stop now, go listen to yesterday's, and then come back and continue today. There, there, there is something to that. You know, I can sort of understand that. All right, so... <laughs> Minute 68 begins with Barnes continuing to keep to, to warn everyone and ends with John getting annoyed at Marvin. Yesterday, we ended things on the plane where we, we, we see our, our good friends, uh, you know, Victor and Thornburg, both listening to the uh, report that, that Barnes is giving and telling everybody what is actually going on. And as they're listening to that, you know, uh, Thornburg is looking for something, and he eventually realizes that what he wants is a pen, which he sort of grabs from Victor Short in order to, to start writing stuff down. But as this is going on, we still hear Barnes talking, and he says, Do not attempt to reply on your own frequency to this broadcast. These people have already caused one crash by impersonating our tower. And Thornburg takes, takes a breath as he's listening to this and goes, Jesus. And then Barnes continues to talk and says, repeat, the terrorists have cut off the two systems that can allow you to land. Field lights for a visual landing and the ILS for an instrument. A special U.S. Army unit is already here and preparing to take out the terrorists. And then Thornburg goes, my God. You know, I love his commentary along the way. This is everything that Barnes is talking about. And then Barnes says, don't accept any instructions. And then he gets cut off with what he's saying because the, the scene will change. But, I mean, first of all, I once again like the way that they're, you know, at the same time telling the, you know, the various planes what's going on. But they're also telling us, you know, we know that, that there, there are no longer any lights on the runway. We know that they're, that they're, they're messing around with the ILS. Uh, uh, but, but now they're actually giving it to us in a uh, Cliff Notes way of explaining, okay, this is what has happened. There are no lights. Mm. So you can't land just visually, and they've messed up the ILS system, so you can't land using your computer system, which is great. That's exactly what we need to know. That's exactly what what uh, you know what what is going on here. So they, they they do a nice job with that. Of you know he's whoever you know when they decided on how they were going to uh, explain this to the various to, to the rest of the pilots. They do it in a very succinct manner, which which helps us also get a clearer understanding of everything that's going on and how it's going on. So I, I like that. I, it, it's very impressive. 
you know, good reading. Me too. <laughs> yep. Well, I hope Barnes wrote down some notes so he could speak clearly and make sure he covered off all those points. Um, but we don't get to see him, I'd like you know, as he's doing it. No. So I don't, I don't think he did though. God, he's got a good delivery though. He sounds very sure yes. and confident mm-hmm. and yes. you know, not raising his emotions. So that's good. Yeah. He, and he he's probably not panicking at all. No. He no probably panic. could have added in for our benefit. He could have added in, if you think you have enough fuel for Georgia or whatever, or enough fuel for um, New York, by all means, go. <laughs> but obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've talked about that. that. That's something that's needed in the movie. You know, even though it's, yeah. it's it, in real life, that would have changed. You know, when they gave them the two minutes to, to talk to the planes before, then they should have just said, get out of here. <laughs> go, yeah. go to New York. Yeah. Oh well. So, let's let's put that to bed. That little gripe, that uh, plot gripe. But yeah, it's not a gripe. That, that again, the the movie wouldn't be what it is without that. So we need it. Yeah. You know, if all of these planes were were gone, then you know they're then they're they then uh, Stuart wouldn't have any leverage, and then it wouldn't be as fun. You know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. all those people on uh, Windsor One One Four had to pay the price for it. But other than that. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we need to talk about the real issues, like why the coffee urns, why the coffee restrained, um, when uh, Thornburg is writing uh, whatever he is, his summary of what's taken place, and Barnes's words, he's writing these coffees. Well, you don't want pots that are... you don't want them falling on somebody. Yeah, they're not restrained. They don't appear to. How be. do you know? How do you know they're not restrained? Maybe they're they're something they're... underneath. Placed in something that that holds them in place. It could be, you know, like some sort of, uh, yeah. you know, D clip or something like that, where you push it in and it, it holds it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it, it's possible, but it is also possible that on NEA they just don't really, you know, they're 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 not very good at uh, letting people know these things. Now, what what I love here though is we see numerous times while, you know, this dialogue is being heard, we see Holly keep turning around and looking at them, trying to figure out what's going on. Like, she knows that Thornburg is up to something. But she yeah. and I, she has no idea what he's up to. And then and then it's really funny. We see, we see Victor, you know, take out, like, a little bag of peanuts and open it, you know, with his teeth. And while he's doing it, he looks around suspiciously as one of the stewardesses walking by, meaning, you know, he really shouldn't be doing this, but he's still going to do it anyway. <laughs> you know, just the, the way that they did it. Do, do you know, I mean, we've talked a little bit about this, uh, you know, on plane trains and automobiles, I believe, about like meals on planes and stuff like that, or maybe it was even in When Harry Met Sally. I don't remember where we talked about it, but when did they start like giving peanuts? Like when do you think that idea came 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 across? I don't know. Maybe even from the birth of um, when they had stu- they had people serving food. I suppose it's something that yeah, I don't know. From the beginning? No, like from the, the beginning. The what? beginning was the like nineteen nineteen or something like that. If I remember correctly, of what we were talking about back uh, way back when. But like the the question is okay. You know when you when you have on a plane, the, the, you know, the, the various types of, of foods 
and stuff like that. Like, where would the whole idea of, you know, wanting to, like, why, why give people peanuts? <laughs> yeah, it's just going to make them want to drink more, isn't it? And, and you're not, and you're not even charging them for it. That's right. Maybe it has the effect of blocking people up. So you know what I mean. Uh, making people a bit uh, blocked up so they don't have to constantly go to the toilet. I don't know. Just well, I don't think it's, it's, not gonna, it's probably not going to work that fast either. You know, are, are mm. peanuts considered something that that's uh, you know that 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 causes uh, constipation? I don't know. I, I don't know. That's my question to you. I've never really seen that many nuts on planes. Have you? Well, they they don't do them as much. They, they don't do that mm. much as they used to. You know, so the, I mean, the reason that that they chose to, to give, you know, uh, peanuts. So Southwest Airlines was the first airline in 1970 that started uh, serving uh, peanuts, right? And they mm -hmm. actually, people started calling Southwest the peanut airline because they had low fares for minimal service and they were giving out peanuts to people, you know? <laughs> um, so, I mean, peanuts were something that was, it was low cost for them to, 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 to give people and they didn't have to give them meals. They could just get away with giving them, uh, you know, peanuts. Do you, do you know what do you know what state is known as the uh, peanut? You know, like what state has the uh, the number one? What, do you know what state is the number yep. one producer of peanuts in the U.S.? I think I might know this through one of your presidents, the famous farmer, uh, or his involved Jimmy Carter from Georgia. Yes, very good. That's right. He was a peanut oh, farmer. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Delta Airlines, whose Georgia. home Delta Airlines, whose home state was Georgia. OK, they used to serve uh, peanuts, cheese and crackers to passengers on flights when they when the flight wasn't long enough for them to serve meals. You know, like now, why would they use peanut? First of all, they're small, easy to serve because they have little packaging and they have uh, a long shelf life. They're relatively inexpensive compared to other such nuts like almonds, cashews, pecans, or walnuts. And they also have mm -hmm. a high level of protein per serving. Then, uh, then, and they're, they're considered nutritional snacks. And most people like peanuts. So, you know, they, they did a study in, in, uh, uh, about, you know, whether what type of, of uh, foods people normally would choose when they're on a flight and that most people were choosing peanuts because they're lightly salted as opposed to something that, that is, you know, something like pretzels, which has a lot more salt on it or something like that. It makes you, as you said before, it makes you thirsty. Mm. So it's, it's just very interesting. Uh, I mean, even Southwest, they had a slogan called nuts about Southwest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and in, in 2015, uh, Southwest Airlines gave out more than 106 million bags of peanuts. I mean, that's just an astounding number. You, you know, just, mm. just thinking about that. And, you know, we, we, we get all of this, uh, you know, we, we they do a nice job of showing Holly's uh, suspicions starting to rise throughout yeah, the whole thing. That she's just as observant as her husband, as her husband, you know. That's right. Like uh, she's got her keen detection skills. So, 
Yeah, and it's also good to see, you've probably mentioned this before, that um, the original movie did end happily, like they're, they're happily reunited and, um, yeah, and Al's been promoted and, uh, yeah, it's good well, to see. Well, it's easy to get promoted when your two bosses, your two direct bosses get killed. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, yeah, he could have been um, transferred laterally or something rather than up. But anyway, um, yeah. Wouldn't it have been really yeah. fascinating if the original Die Hard movie was actually a plot that John put together in order to be able to to get Holly uh, higher up in the company? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it would be. <laughs> but, yeah, a lot of things go unplanned, though. But anyway, yeah, no, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, again, we see her suspicion. We see, we hear uh, Barnes's uh, exposition, which which helps us get a better understanding of everything. And I mean, Thornburg seems to be a little too happy about all of these disasters that are apparently going on. You know, terrorism, blowing up a plane, or crashing a plane. You know, he's he's a little too happy about it. He's like a giddy. He looks giddy as a schoolboy, as the the phrase uh, <laughs> goes. From Holy Grail, yeah. That's oh, not Holy Grail. Um... Yeah. yeah. What's it called? Mm-hmm. Last Crusade. Sorry. Last, Last Crusade. Crusade. Yeah. Giddy is a schoolboy. That's right. Yeah. Not that I would definitely put Thornburg and Indiana Jones in the same category, but yeah. <laughs> I I hear what you're saying with that one. <laughs> and then, have you commented yet? Have you commented yet on the the um the nominative determinism of this movie? You've got Thornburg, right? Like he's a big He's a big, annoying thorn, a mountain, a thorn in everyone's side. And the Joe D'Souza is also called uh, the General Esperanza, which means hope, I think, in Spanish, doesn't it? Yeah, I believe anyway, so. Then hope. Yeah. yeah, so anyway, yeah, they probably, I don't know if these names were specifically written for those nominative reasons, but yeah, that's Thornburg, he's a thorn in everyone's side. Hmm, that makes sense. This is what you do when you review review a movie minute by minute. You yeah, of course. Think, hmm, yeah. Was that on purpose? Or, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, why not? That makes sense. <laughs> some things are on purpose. I mean, some they couldn't call him. That's right. And they couldn't call him Turdberg, so that's to say Thornburg. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah, but, but this is also something that goes back from the first movie. Yeah, so. Yeah, well, that's right. So, um, you know, and, and, you know, they, they decided not to bring him back to the third one, which, which would have been too much of a coincidence, but it would have been fun, you know, having him there with them. Yeah. Now, coincidence, you could, you couldn't have him logically there. I don't think it'd be a bit of a stretch. Yeah. Yeah. This one's also a little bit of a stretch having him Rob, on the plane, but still. Rob, before you go on with your comments, do you think, I'm rewatching the minute now, do you think the... It seems too still for a moving plane. Like, I know it's a set, of course, but it's really still. You think there'd be a bit of realism of um, the steady cam moving up and down a bit, but it's very still. And maybe maybe it has to do with how, how long the, you know, the the flight circle is that they're, you know, how, how large of a circle they're, they're, they're flying in. Oh, yeah. true. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, I mean, that's something that doesn't bother me. So. But I, I, I can understand why, why you would bring that up, though. Yeah. And then the, the scene changes, and we are now back in the basement. And 
you know, we, we, we see John <laughs> visiting Marvin once again. And he goes, yo, Marvin. And Marvin goes, hey, interested in a nice coat? <laughs> Where do you think he got this coat from? You know, oh, yeah. Is he in charge of lost property or is he he's just nicked it? He's just stolen it from the luggage room? Well, let's put it this way. It, he's in charge of lost properties, I'm assuming. But is this supposed to be a jacket from one of the terrorists? Well, it's because it's got a hole in it. It's either moth, a mothball hole or or a bullet. He's putting his thumb through something. So, yeah, I guess it is. It's either later this week or the beginning of next week where, where John will say to him, you know, uh, if you get me out there quick enough, I'll, I'll be able to give you a – I'll get you a lining for the coat. Oh, okay. <laughs> so my assumption is, is that he got it. But which of the terrorists is missing a coat? That's my question. The only person that it could come from is, is either Cochran or Miller that somehow left their coat. Because the other four guys, yeah, it's the other four guys were all dressed up as, uh, you know, as painters. So they, they really wouldn't have a coat like this. I don't know. Never, never really made made clear where specifically they, they get that from. And, you know, I, I love the fact that he's looking in a mirror. You know, like he looks like he's in like a, uh, a suit shop or something like that. You know, checking out this, you know, trying on this new suit to see if it fits him. You know, it just looks looks really funny the way that he's doing it. Um, and then John goes, "Nope, it never looked good on me anyway. Come here." When he says that, it makes it sound as if it was John's jacket. Yeah, because John did take off his jacket at some point. So maybe this is the jacket that he took off, and then and then Marvin picked that up. But then why would there be a bullet hole in it? Because John took it off before he was shooting. Wait, which John? No, John took off his sweater before he got yeah, or started God. crawling into the. I actually, you know what? I don't remember uh, when John took off his jacket because he did obviously take it off at some point, but I don't remember where where he took it off. And but he wouldn't have had a bullet hole in it, as far as I could tell, as far as I can remember. Yeah, I don't know. That's really strange. Yeah, because for John to None make a comment that never looked good on me anyway, makes it sound as if it was he his. He doesn't look good in this movie at all. Uh, the sweaters and the the coat and puffer jacket on him he wears earlier. Um, yeah, the fashion doesn't suit him in this movie. But at least we get to see his his tuft of uh, his tuft of hair when he's his V. <laughs> yes. But anyway, do you like the fashions in this movie? Yuck! What a horrible time. <laughs> Yuck. <laughs> and and John quickly changes the subject and says, "Listen, you got to give me the pilot's briefing room. They're having a little soiree. I got to hear what they're saying, even if I got to put a glass to the door. Which one of these maps gets me in there?" So, first of all, do, do you know what a soiree is? Um, it's just French for like a dinner party or symposium, maybe. Yes, it's like it, an old-fashioned French. That's right. It's an evening party or gathering, uh, usually in a private house. Sometimes they'll play music or something like that. I mean, the, I, I don't know French, but the, the French word soir is evening. S-O-I-R means evening. I don't know. But then he, he talks about, you know, putting a glass up to the wall or to the door. Have, have you ever done that? Do, do you think that's even possible? <laughs> I think if the door is very thin and 
I'm assuming it must be possible in some situations. I don't know if you can make out actual vocals, but I'm sure some sounds you can make out. Right. So I, I actually looked it up to see if you really can listen to, you know, listen into uh, another room with a glass. So what, what I found here is if, if you take a stemless glass and place the open end against the wall, any sound, sound waves that permeate the wall will resonate inside the glass and your ear will be better able to capture and process them. Um, hmm. a, a grandfather in Leeds used this technique to save his next door neighbors from a masked burglar. Uh, the guy, the guy told uh, the newspaper, "It sounds silly, but we put a glass to the wall to work out what was being said. It worked. We could hear them shouting, there's no more money in the house.' I didn't have a second to be frightened. <laughs> so uh, apparently, it could work. I, I've never tried it. You know, I, you know, when when I did play in trains and automobiles, I actually." You know, when I was on a highway, rolled down the window and started saying, you're going the wrong way, but nobody could hear me. So, you know, I, <laughs> I did test that one out, but this isn't one that I'm really going to test out. I don't really know, you know, how, how interested I am in, in trying to hear someone's conversation through the wall. So that, that probably won't happen. <laughs> and then uh, Marvin gets a little upset at him and goes, don't touch it. And he goes, find the map, Marvin. I'll find it. You'll mess up my whole damn filing system here. Now, for me, I, I love the fact that he mentions the fact of, of a filing system because, you know, before computers, people would have, you know, file systems. You'd go to the library. You know, it was all the, the books were all filed in a certain way. Or you go to offices and they file uh, different folders and stuff like that. But nowadays, when you think of filing stuff, it's in the computer. It's like, okay, what folder are you going to put stuff in and where are you going to keep those folders and what's the hierarchy and stuff like that. I even, exactly. I even yeah. tried doing a search for this and everything that I found was only related to the computer aspect of, of a filing system. Because apparently in, as of 1961, the term started being applied to computerized filing uh, besides the original meaning. And at some point, people just stopped using it for the regular meaning. You know, you, you sometimes might say, okay, I'll file that away, meaning either in your head or in the garbage or something like that. But in general, you know, that's just, I don't know, filing is, is done on a computer these days. Very strange, very strange. That, yeah. Unless you're figuratively using the word file as in a metaphor, I'm filing a, des, a deposition or I'm filing right. a complaint Correct. or something. Yeah, yeah. That will continue for years, even though people will not remember what a file was, except Correct. in the computer context. That's yeah. right. And then Marvin continues saying, let's see, pilot's briefing room. I think that's in the main terminal. So would that be under P for pilot's briefing room? <laughs> and, and then John goes, now, and then he gets cut off. And, uh, you know, does, doesn't have anything else to say today. We'll have to uh, hear the rest of that uh, tomorrow. When when uh, when when we're back with uh, John and Marvin for that conversation, but I mean, first of all, I I love the uh, chemistry between the two of them. You know, it's it's done in somewhat of a comical way. The conversations between them, mm. and you know, the fact that John is once again on his own, needing to figure out how to do something, so he goes and finds the janitor. To be able to, you know, explain to him how to get into a place where he can go eavesdrop on what's going on. 
You know, so I, I like the way yeah. that they do that. It's it's done really well. Even though he John starts getting frustrated with Marvin because he wants it done a lot quicker than 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 Marvin is doing it. And if you look, you can see he's got so many rolled up maps and blueprints and stuff like that. There are tons of them there. You know, so it's it's very strange that you know is is it that he's in charge of of keeping track of all these things, or is it the idea that the you know, he, he just goes around stealing things that people don't need for his own personal use. <laughs> what, what do you think? Well, cinematic, yeah. Well, cinematically, it, it's helpful to have, like, all this clutter here, right? Like, oh, my God, I've got to look around and find out where it is. But I think someone in his position would know where the briefing room was. Like, he seems like the kind of guy that would know every inch of that space without having to look at the data. But I know it's... You know, it's it's good to prevent like a a possible time constraint. Like, quick, quick, find me that. I've got to look here. But um, I reckon he swiped all these plans just from engineers' desks. I don't think he's been. He should have access to any of this stuff. Right. What What do you tend towards? Yeah. Right now, I mean, it's it's possible that you know he he might know where everything is, but because you know we mentioned earlier that maybe it shouldn't be the pilot's briefing room. You know, it. it in uh, the script, as we talked about yesterday, that they they went into uh, actually two days ago, where where they went into Lorenzo's, uh, Lorenzo's, room, yeah. Lorenzo's office. So, yeah. you know that that that's a little interesting with uh, the the way that they 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 do that. So maybe he doesn't know where the pilot's briefing room is because there isn't a pilot's briefing room. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Yeah, you know, so I, I don't know. Or maybe where to think he's deliberately delaying and getting in the way of John. Maybe, maybe he's in league with the the bad guys. Yeah. Hmm. It's very possible. I wonder if they thought about toying with that idea. <laughs> yeah. It, it it's, it's very possible. Li- listening, listener. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So you have anything else you want to say before? Uh... Before we get into the script, um, no, not at this stage. Okay. Continue. All right, so there there are a lot of changes here uh, between it. So let let's let's just get into the, the dialogue between first of all Barnes. After he mentions about the flight recorder access code, he says we will get this information from your respective airlines and use it for confirmation, which it's very wordy. But it helps make it more believable, you know. Mm. It basically telling the 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 pilots, you know, you know, we were talking earlier about the fact that maybe the pilots won't believe who's the terrorist and who's not. But but the fact that you can only get this information from the airline would give a little more believability and plausibility to what they're doing. Yeah, you know. Um, and then it says <laughs> Thornburg's expression looks like a man having sex, you know, as he's listening <laughs> to this to all this uh, information. And then it goes through. The rest of what Barnes is talking about, how the the you know they've they've brought in, they've turned off the the, the abilities the, the terrorists have cut off the ability to to land the planes because you know the, there are no lights in the ILS system, and then about the special U.S. Army thing, and then it says camera tightens on Thornburg, who appears to be having an orgasm. <laughs> then, well, in the movie, he does say Jesus. Yes. And, oh God. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And then, uh, you know, we're in the Dulles basement, and it says, 
uh, a tight shot on a cracked mirror. Marvin is checking himself out in a nice long topcoat, which has unfortunately recently been recovered with grease and grime, not to mention the bullet holes. McLean comes in. Mm-hmm. Hey, officer, thought you'd be upstairs by now, hanging out with the top brass. That They kind of busted me down to buck private. I know the feeling. Interested in a nice coat? McLean recognizes it. The lining's ripped, and it needs some invisible mending. Keep it. Think you can get me on online upstairs again? Marvin chuckles, moves over to the table, and pulls aside the cloth. All electronic stuff there. I was a kid, working those radios on the B-29s, but I kept up. Still read popular mechanics. These transistor things, I'm on top of them. Marvin realizes that McLean has a funny expression. You okay, son? And then, you know, that that's all. The rest of their conversation just doesn't happen. Because, again, they don't need to try and find the pilot's briefing room. Because in the script, there is no pilot's briefing room. Mm. So, basically, that's all we got for, for this. So, every Wednesday, we have a segment called Off the Beaten Track Aviation Edition, where my guest will give some sort of uh, adventure, misadventure, story, anecdote. Something that's happened to them over the course of their life that is somehow related to uh, air travel or... Something to that to that effect. So, uh, John, you have a story for us. I don't have too many stories from things actually on a plane in flight, but an airport's good enough. Of course, Just around an airport. Yes, yeah. of course. Well, I did see once a uh, woman doing push-ups in the aisle, um, and in the dead of night when everyone was asleep uh, while the plane was flying, and I'd say she got away with it for a full five or ten minutes before a stewardess told her to stop. Because um, she was was she pushing the plane lower to a lower altitude each time? <laughs> that's among there with oh, if I'm in an elevator that's screaming to the ground, if I jump at the right time will I avoid him <laughs> avoid a, a death. Uh yeah. Correct. Um so that was pretty funny. Um when I was in Kaliningrad once, um, which is a small parcel of Russia between I think Poland and Latvia um, they apparently had never seen an Australian passport in their life before so I was taken off to this room you know like Russian men are very scary to me and like they, they thought it was some fakery so they had to get a lieutenant or something to pull out a whole book of photocopied passport samples from all around the world for like it took about 20 minutes to find sort of my um the uh, uh, evidence that this was an Australian passport because they'd never seen one before. Oh wow! So, and did they have it? Was it yeah. was it in the time of the internet where they could have just looked it up on the internet to see if there really is an Australian, uh, if there is an Australia? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I we know so. Yeah, we yeah. know Australia is a, a penal colony, so you know, it, 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 you know, jailbirds. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it was two thousand eight or nine, so yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, no excuse. But, All right. Um, that is a very yeah. interesting story. Yes, I, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm glad you made it out of there uh, alive. They didn't send you to, to Siberia or a Gulag or something like that for, you know, for, for having no. a forged, unreal, uh, fictional <laughs> passport to this fictional country called Australia. You know, I mean, God, even in the Princess, this. even in the Princess Bride, which takes place in a fictional place, they talk about Australia. So, you know, it must be a real place. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. Great. So uh, you want to once again tell people where they can find uh, JBAM? Yeah, please. To find me and my great podcast, Dirty Harry Minute, go to dirtyharryminute.com. And there you can 
find out how to listen to the show, contact us or um, leave your thoughts. So, yeah, dirtyharryminute.com. All right, great. You you only did the first one, right? You didn't you 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 weren't able to to continue on that one, were you? Yeah. No, I don't think my marriage would sustain that. But we did do a whole <laughs> lot of extra extra content reviews and standalone reviews of the the four sequels and a few other things Dirty Harry related, including the Indian remake of nineteen seventy three Kun Kun. So oh, wow. we're still we're still releasing some some Dirty Harry content. So please, oh, well. are you are you are you a fan of the entire series, or you're just a fan of the the original movie and then you know the rest? Yeah, and no, of course I'm an Eastwood fan completely, but um, yeah, it's like a Star Wars fan. I guess they're always going to say that most of them say that Empire is the best one, right? But in my in my particular series, the first one is above all the best of the movie. But the sequels still flesh out the character a bit. That's entertaining, so. Particularly Magnum Force, very good sequel. Yeah, I'm, I actually like Magnum Force. It's, it's, it's uh, my favorite of the sequels. I got to rewatch all of them one oh. of these days. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there I, were a I, few. The Deadpool I didn't like that much, but but I liked seeing Jim Carrey in it. Um, <laughs> getting getting killed. <laughs> yeah, that's right, and Liam Neeson. Um, and uh, the Enforcer was was uh, was okay. Sudden Impact I thought had a great premise to it and i remember when it came out that you know like uh when it was on cable you know i was probably uh i think it came out in 83 if i remember correctly right so i was nine when it came out and then when it was on cable or something like that my brother my older brothers used to watch it and i remember you know thinking about the fact that okay there's this woman who's been raped that's going and and shooting men in 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 certain parts of their anatomy you know, before mm-hmm. before killing them to try and show uh, what's going on, and I I don't know how much I really understood all that, you know, as a ten uh, year old watching that, but as an adult, it's very scary. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. Very scary, very dark. Some people call it I I spit on your Dirty Harry movie grave, but um, yeah, no, it's it's not a popcorn sort of <laughs> not yeah. a movie you want to take popcorn to, but yes, no, it's it's. Yeah, it's very different. Yeah, like I said, I, I think I should uh, revisit the entire series at some point. It's it's It has been a little while since I've seen all the many. I'm trying to remember if I saw them all in a row. I might, I think I did, oh. or maybe around the same time when I like watched them for my, uh, you know, for, for my for my website where I went through all of them. Um, it probably right. okay. So there, I saw. Yeah, I okay. I I did. Oh, I watched all five of them uh, in a row. This was in March wow. 2016. <laughs> wow. Uh, the, the, the series doesn't do it, probably doesn't do itself a favor. Um, or maybe it does. It didn't go the obvious road of obvious road of Dirty Harry 1, Dirty Harry 2, Dirty Harry 3. So a lot of people, and the names are quite uh, nondescriptive, aren't they? The Enforcer. Yeah. Okay, well, Harry's the enforcer in all of them. He has a sudden impact in everyone. So, yeah. True. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think I think uh, seven years is is enough time to to go back and revisit them to to get a different to look on how it all uh, you know on what happened um, back then. What, what was I up to at that time? I, I had reached two thousand one hundred views on my site, and now I've passed Ooh. the. 10,200 uh, review mark. So 
Actually, by the time this airs, I'll be even further along. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll probably be up to ten thousand four hundred at that point, or whatever it is. So yeah, I think I think after watching eight thousand movies in between, it's it's a, it's a good time to revisit uh, the Dirty Harry movies. Yeah, why not? There were a few echoes of um, Magnum Force in this Die Hard as well. You know the bit where I don't know I don't know if it's in one of our minutes, but where he goes killing a policeman. What's next? The neutron bomb. <laughs> And that obviously reminded me of the scene in the car with Briggs, uh, Dirty Harry, where he goes, you know, soon you'll start killing people who, uh, for jaywalking and then you'll execute people because they're dog pissed on your lawn. So, yeah, the um, the echoes of Dirty Harry survive in a lot of uh, cop movies and even Die Hard, the loose cannon sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That, that's really good. I, I didn't think about that. But, yeah, so, so anyone at this point, I'm assuming – that I've already done reviews of all five of the, the Dirty Harry movies. So when you're listening to this, you can go back and search on my uh, my movie website to see that. So, you know, finding me is very simple. You can you can do two things. First, you can go to my movie website, which is moviewrob.wordpress.com. Uh, you can see the reviews of probably uh, ten and a half thousand different movies. If you if you go there by this point, yeah, and then if you want to find information about this podcast, it's very simple. Just do a search for Mover Up Minute. You can find me on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter. And you can find me on my website, MoverUpMinute.com. So until tomorrow, yippee Go ahead, yippee mother. If you're fond of sand dunes and salty air, quaint little villages, it's... 